Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together, we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund, and you can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We're having a grand time ripping the opaque lid off the world of conventional venture capital to show you how it works. And there you have it, folks. Hi, Jillian. What's in your mind today? Hi, Anne. It's not a what this time. It's who. Um, I know I'm delighted, and so are you, uh, that we have Diane Freeman, who is a partner at Voyager Capital, joining us today. So welcome, Diane. Um, why don't you start off by sharing a little bit about yourself with the audience and, you know, tell us how you got to be a venture capitalist. There's a story there. Well, ladies, it is wonderful to be with you, and thanks for inviting me. We've talked about doing this for quite a long time, so I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so yes, I'm Diane Freeman. I'm a managing director with Voyager Capital. Uh, Voyager is a early stage institutional investor in B2B software companies in the Pacific Northwest and Western Canada. So we invest in early stage companies, software companies in Oregon, Washington, and really from Alberta on over with a focus on Vancouver and, and Victoria. We are, um, you know, sort of that late stage seed series A investor at the point where a company uh, has product just going into market or has been in the market for a little while. We're agnostic as it relates to vertical or horizontal industry, although I do have my biases. And um, we are a partnership of four managing directors, myself here in Portland, Oregon, and my three partners up in Seattle. That's great, Diane. Thanks a lot. But how did you get to this point? Because the story you've uh, shared with me many times is an interesting one. And by the way, all your three partners are guys, right? Yes, me and the boys, as I like to say. Um, you know, it is an interesting story. And I, I suppose since most venture capitalists come into the market coming out of business school. It's a finance asset class. They want to be a VC. But there's another side to entering into venture, and that's from the operational side of, of the industry. And that's the path that I came in, although, as you ladies know, I never saw myself as a VC. I spent um, over 25 years on the operational side in sales, marketing, and business development jobs in very large companies, having started my career in a company called Digital Equipment Corporation um, through funder, uh, venture-backed funded companies. And um, the last one being a security company called Sanctum down in, the, uh, down in the Bay Area. And when that company sold, my husband and I moved up back up to Portland, Oregon, where we had gone down to California from. We love the Pacific Northwest, even though I'm originally from New York. And uh, to be honest with you, I think that if you had told me I would have um, gone to the dark side of VC, I would have said, you are crazy. But mm -hmm. what I found as um, I sort of took a break from, from everything and, and, and basically focused on uh, Pilates and the food channel for a long time was <laughs> that I, um, I, you know, discovered that when you take the venture capitalist off of Sand Hill Road, that they behaved and were a partner 
with early stage entrepreneurs the way I always thought that they should be. And so when I met Voyager Capital, they were looking at a couple of companies in Portland, specifically at the time in the security space, and they found me through some mutual contacts. And the reality is we dated. We dated for about a year and a half, and um, I got to know them, and they got to know me. And I, uh, I came on board what, in what is called a venture partner, which was really a part-time role in 2007. So if you jump forward from then to now, almost 14 years later, um, now a managing director in our fund five, um, I have found that it is really a great, great fit for me. Um, it takes all my operational experience that I had over all those years on the go-to-market side of the business and allows me to coach and mentor and evaluate um, entrepreneurs and teams uh, to help them grow as well. And I, I really do love it. So you, you have, and I have uh, some pretty similar things, you know, growing up in New York, coming out to the Northwest, uh, certainly do love it here. And we both came to this from uh, operational sides, as did Anne. So uh, I guess it's becoming a little less common uh, or uncommon, rather, to come to uh, venture capital from the side of operations. You had a question, Anne. I did. Um, just off the top of your head, you have an idea of how many deals you've done? And how many exits? <laughs> Do I have an idea? Yeah, I have an idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like the exact number, 0. 0.5. <laughs> I didn't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. There have been 13 investments overall, although really 15 if you add. There are two small ones we call a little bit of experimental in terms of 100K investments. Normally our investments are in the uh, 2 to $4 million range on the first on the first bite, but 13 full core investments of which um, there have been five exits. Wow, well done. Brilliant, yes. Yeah. So we invited you here uh, to join us today. And I know this is not a surprise to you, but I wanna let our listeners know to talk about, uh, you called it the dark side. Um, what really goes on behind the scenes at venture capital firms, or at least at your venture capital firm. So um, if that's okay with you, let's start with how deals really get sourced. And my first question is, do those cold call emails, I get them, you get them, everybody gets them, ever result in a successful investment? Rarely. Um, there is no question that there are exceptions to this. There are no questions that somebody will cold call me and reference somebody I know, in which case there is that common tie um, and, and that I will take that first meeting. And there's also no question that there are times where that first email will be interesting enough because of just the few things they say that I might take in the good old days, a cup of coffee together. Um, but the majority of the time, no. That the way that the deals are sourced, and I think this is true for most of us, just given the amount of mail and the amount of, um, of contact that we get, is through a trusted source. And you know, often that's the lawyers or the accountants that these entrepreneurs know first, i.e. the service providers that are in the community that, that we've worked with before. Um, often they are from other entrepreneurs that we have um, worked with, whether we've made investments in them or just gotten close to them. And so for the most part, the deal flow is coming from the community, 
that we that we live in, that we work in, or that we have invested with in the past. So it's worth uh, keeping a network alive uh, for the founders. You know, to it is critical. One, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is critical. You know, it's it's sort of as we always, you know, we've always known it as operators, and we always tell our portfolio companies. But you're always selling, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're always selling to the um, to the potential venture capitalist or investor for the current round or for the future round. Um, you know, the, the network, the relationships, it's a relationship business. And, you know, as a result, sometimes these take a long time. I mean, the reality is on average, um, I like to say I date my entrepreneurs on average for a year before I ever write the first dollar. I see them early, I watch them, I may coach and mentor them, I may make introductions, I may make introductions for them for their early investors. Um, but, you know, it's as important for me to get to know them and watch, uh, you know, their early motion as it is, to be honest with you, for for the entrepreneur to know the venture capitalist. I mean, um, you know, you, you, you date and then you get married. And um, when we write that check, it is a marriage that is intended to go for a long time, hopefully. And you want to make sure that not only do you like each other and respect each other, but you can work together through good and difficult times. Yeah, I would agree um, that uh, keeping that, well, establishing your network and then keeping that open is very interesting. Um, I note that it kind of also cuts the wheat from the chaff. Those entrepreneurs who do use uh, attorneys who then can uh, refer them to investors and so on, those are people who are taking the business side of their business rather seriously. Those who wing it a lot, not so much, right? So just knowing there is that structure in place and that somebody says, yeah, the numbers are good. And yes, the, you know, the legal um, structure here is in place and so on. And we know kind of where they're heading and we're interested, uh, not necessarily to invest. uh, Not every attorney and accountant is going to do that, but that they know the difference and you can trust these, if you will, ancillary providers really is informative, both for investors and for Uh, entrepreneurs. And with that, we have to take a break now for our sponsors. We'll be right back with some more insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. 
an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on wmr.fm. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we're talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Today, we're talking with Diane Freeman, partner at Voyager Capital, or managing director, excuse me, at Voyager Capital, about what really goes on in VC funds. So, you know, before the break, Diane, we were talking about how we get the deals in-house and what really happens, and that made good sense. But once the deal's in the house, right, how does that company, you know, the founders, the deal itself and so on, get discussed? What do internal conversations sound like inside your VC firm? Um, you know, that's, of course, where the fun begins, right? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> we, um, you know, Voyager is a um, relatively, I say, small, you know, early stage. Our, our funds are about 100 million. So we're not you know, a billion dollar fund that may have dozens and dozens of partners. There are four of us, and then there are some associates and principals as well that really do so much of the heavy lifting. But there's, um, there is a very formal set of guidelines as to what the voting structure is for a deal. And, um, you know, the reality is not everyone has a vote. The managing, the four managing directors in our uh, firm are the four that have a vote. They can be influenced by others in the firm. They are often strongly influenced by others in the firm. But when it comes down to making a final decision, um, we in our firm have a structure that is basically um, N minus one, which means that uh, to, in order to approve a, a deal, at least three of the four managing directors have to agree. And we evaluate that based on eight or nine different criteria. But before you even get to the vote, you know, there is a, um, a lot of time and work that goes on to socialize that deal, to introduce that deal, to introduce the entrepreneur and the founding team to the rest of the team, such that it's not just a matter of saying, I love something, Diane loves something, uh, and I try by myself to influence everyone else on something they haven't seen yet. And so over the time that we, as I said before, date, um, I will begin to socialize the deal with my other partners uh, long before I bring them in for the, you know, the, the, the big, you know, partner meeting uh, or partner presentation. Um, I will begin to bring my partners in on other calls to meet them. We will look at the technology, at the go-to-market, at the people, at the pipeline. And I will begin to get the opinion of my other partners, who I value their opinion quite a bit, to see, is this something that I think we all believe is in our investment thesis, in our scope, to begin to move forward? At the point where I know that I strongly have conviction and that I've got one or two of my other partners 
feeling like, yeah, this is, this is really interesting, then you begin to widen the net a bit. And ultimately, of course, you bring in that company for a partner meeting. And mm -hmm. at that point, it would be a mistake if that was the first time everyone had first seen this deal. At the point where it comes into a partner meeting, everyone should at least have an idea of not only what this company does, who the team is, how they've been doing, but a strong idea of where at least one, if not more of the managing director's conviction is for this deal. That makes really good sense. And I would say we operate pretty much the same way. Um, and I kind of don't know a firm that wouldn't operate that way. It is about early introductions, long-term understanding of how that company operates and its founders. Um, I should think, Diane, that you uh, look for signals in those founders that say, yeah, this deal is kind of in for the long haul, or you see red flags that helps you to kind of offboard them, not onboard them. So maybe you could talk a little bit about those red flags. Absolutely, absolutely. The infamous red flags. Well, the, yeah. the easiest one uh, that I you know, uh, like to talk about only because it, it, when it happens, it happens so quickly that you know, I personally, maybe it's my own, my own you know, fault, but personally I shut down, uh, is when you have an entrepreneur who, or a founder who says, I, 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 me, 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 I know this, I can fix that, I have the answers, I know the people, I can build the product, um, that's not gonna work. Um, there, is, there is, regardless of however brilliant um, a founder is or an entrepreneur is in pitching their company, there is no way that one person or even two by themselves can build a great company. And so the first red flag is um, this issue of I, 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 me, me, me. I will tell you that that probably will be the last meeting that I have with you. The second, usually goes, it usually goes hand in hand with the first is, you know, just not able to listen. You know, um, I, you have conversations. I mean, in the beginning, in fact, often the first meeting I have is not even so that they can pitch their presentation, pitch the deck, so to speak. Um, it's, it's a conversation. And you can find out very, very early on is this, again, it usually goes hand in hand with the first red flag. Is this an entrepreneur who can listen? Mm -hmm. um, and they have a conversation. Can they, can they hear what you're saying? Can you, can you go banter back and forth if they're challenged can they deal with that challenge in a way that is both thoughtful and respectful? Um, you know, these are all things that are early on indicators of whether or not this is an entrepreneur that not only do you think can build a great company, but personally that you can work with. So I would agree. Um, to that, that um, if they are, I think, what do we call them, Jillian, teachable? <laughs> yeah, we, we sometimes call them a teachable CEO, but, but I think Diane's pointing to something a little deeper, and I agree. It's not just that they will learn from you, but rather that they will um, acknowledge the size of the hurdles in front of them, understand Correct. that it's going to take more than one or two or even three people to fix it, are thinking about what teams they have to put in place in-house, outside the a company, partnerships, all of those kinds of things so that they can build a business. Right. I think, Diane, one of the things you're talking about is the difference between someone who has a product and someone who has a company. Um, I think that that is, 
I think you're correct, Jillian, although I think that there's a fine line. Oh, yeah. Because it's not clear at what point you really have the the company sometimes. Right. Right. So, and again, they don't necessarily have it. That was a, a poor choice of words. It's that they are beginning to understand what it's going to take to build that company. They are yeah. not consistently thinking about the product. I yeah. would say, Anne, you and I, we, we hear, because we're earlier stage than you, Diane, uh, we, we are one of those people you'd refer for, you know, an earlier stage before they get to you. Um, but when we listen to these things, right, first of all, there's idea stage stuff, sure, but, you know, and so on. But even those who have built a lot of their product, we always wonder, you know, how much time do they spend just talking about the product? And how much time do they spend talking about the process of building the company that now is beginning? When they don't talk about the company and what that's going to take, for us, I think that's a pretty big red flag, right, Ann? Oh, yeah. And uh, even as I listen to pitches, go through pitch decks, and if there are 20 slides about how this is the best product that's going to save the world and nothing about how they're going to build a company around it to get it out to the world, you know, sometimes I sort of say, okay, stop. Let's stop there. You tell me now about your company and what, what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. You know, stop right there. Because you know, so, they're in love with their, their products. And that's, that enthusiasm is, is commendable, but it's not going to make a great company, to use your yeah. term, Diane. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, there are two things that I always, um, I always like to say. First, that build it and they will come is a very bad business strategy. Um, you know, we, mm-hmm. we all know in any industry, um, the the market leader is not always the best product. In fact, is often not the best product, number one. And the second thing is, you know, the way to the money is through the people. Um, you can have a phenomenal product in a huge market with phenomenal differentiation. And if you don't know how to get, you know, to the marketplace and extract dollars from wallets, then it doesn't really matter. And that takes a team and that takes a team of people, not only at the highest levels, but in the trenches as well, who basically, you know, can work together, that there's a culture that has basically been built from the top on down that allows for that collaboration. And that, you know, again, during good and rough times, they can stay focused and execute well. And that's that's the people. It's not just because you built something really, really great. I, so I would- we've just got a, a minute before the break. Um, is there something else you can say about what internal conversations sound like inside a VC firm? Yeah, you know, listen, there, there is a lot that goes on because at the end of the day, um, in, in our case, we have four managing directors. We're all looking at deal flow. We're all bringing deals in. Um, you know, there's only so many deals that we can do at any given time, not because anyone's telling us that, but just because of the amount of work it takes to, to get a deal over the line. So, you know, their timing is a part of this. Um, if there are four deals that are all coming to the partnership, uh, from each managing director has one that they're just fell in love with and they really want to push over and they're all coming in at the same time. You know, you, you can't have all four coming to one Monday partner meeting. You got to spread them out. There's a timing issue. There's a review issue. There's then due diligence and uh, customer references and technology and everything else. And so, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, there are deals that don't get done just because the timing was bad inside of the partnership. And that could be timing, uh, as I said, because everyone's rushing to get something done all at the same time. Um, or that could be timing based on where the investment is in the fund of the of the firm. Uh, is, is, are you coming in at the end of a fund? Are you coming in asking for a lot of money uh, toward 
life, in which case the, the dynamics and the criteria may look a little different than if you were uh, coming in when the fund was brand new and there may be a little more flexibility and risk that's taken because the long timeline it's going to take to basically get some sort of exit out of that company. And so there's timing, uh, both in terms of fund, there's timing in terms of other deals the company is looking at, the firm is looking at, um, you know, and all of these things, unfortunately, at times have nothing to do with the entrepreneur. It has to do with the, with the venture capital firm itself. So with that, we're going to take another break and we will come right back with more from Diane Freeman of Voyager Capital. Confidential, and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music are back with the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow on VC Confidential, only on WMR.FM. Welcome back to VC Confidential. Today we're talking with our good friend Diane Freeman, Managing Director at Voyager Capital. We've been discussing what really goes on in VC firms, who has the power to make decisions, and more about how all that sausage gets made. Uh, before we end, end, and we only have about six more minutes in this episode, sadly, um, let's look at something from the founder perspective. Um, let's go to the other side of the table where the founders sit and say to them, you got funded, now what? You know, how and how fast to spend the money, what to spend it on to get to the next level at which you can raise more capital, reach an exit. Um, what happens next? What needs to happen next? You know, to me, this is actually almost more interesting than, than the fundraising side. You know, often the entrepreneur believes that um, once I get the money, I'm, I'm off and running. I'm, I'm, I'm in great shape. And the reality is, uh, unfortunately, getting the money may be the easy part. And so, you know, now you've got the money. Well, usually, especially in a venture backed firm, what you also are doing is forming a board. And that board is normally made up of your investors. Um, and maybe there's some independence, but there's a board of directors. And that board of directors is there both to help and coach and mentor you, as well as ensure that the commitments that you made, um, you know, are adhered to or as they change 
make sense in the context of the amount of money that you have. And so what I always like to start with is understanding your board. Um, maybe you have an existing board of which the new investment is a new investor on the board, in which case it's, it's, it's really a good, good thing to do is to make sure that that new board member is socialized with the old ones. And whether in the old days, hopefully coming back soon, those board dinners were a really good place to do that. But short of that, it's important that you find a way to build a board that's collaborative, that respects each other, that there are rules of engagement around board meetings and that you have an understanding of each of your board members um, in terms of both their likes, their dislikes, their personalities, their communication styles, their hot buttons, you know, but hopefully to build a long-term relationship that, you know, is gonna have its ups and downs. Um, but the fact that they gave you money you know, the intent is for it to be collaborative and positive. So, you know, the first thing to me is that you focus on that board and those investors and make sure that you've got a, a working board that is both going to help you, but as well be collaborative with each other. I think the second thing to understand is, you know, this is all milestone driven, you know, building a company, uh, regardless of how much money you have raised, is driven on a set of milestones. And when you went and raised that money, you basically made some commitments to those investors on milestones. And whether that was how many people you were gonna hire or what product you were gonna release or what markets you were gonna go into or how much money you were going to spend on marketing, there were a set of milestones that you established. Now those milestones are obviously going to change. But the expectations of your investors, now your board, are against those, those milestones. And so it's really important that you begin to understand how to put the metrics in place to manage those milestones and to present those metrics against those milestones over some period of time. Again, sometimes it's 18 months or two years, and they're gonna continue to change but you need to make sure that that conversation is open and transparent with your investors who are actually also your board. And whether that's revenue or your hiring plan or your churn rate or your gross margins or your launch plan for a product or, or your IP, all of these things are things that have to get put in place early on in order to basically you know, have a working functional not only company, but board that's gonna support you. And by the way, those milestones when they're met or exceeded are also gonna be key indicators, not only of the health of your company, but when it's time to raise again. So, you know, the metrics need to align to your business goals and data-driven metrics um, are really a critical indicator of a well-run business. Wow, okay, so metric uh, milestones matter and you're Data-driven metrics are the best way to manage that process. You mentioned- well, I, I was gonna say, you also um, point out to investors that 
the job doesn't end with the investment, of course, right? You've got to see it through and not everybody's going to sit on the board, but you're going to want to, you know, keep tabs on that, on what's happening. But also that that's where the real work begins. As soon as you get funded, that's when, uh, very much like politics, you're going to be judged on whether you uh, fulfill the promises made during your campaign speeches, right? <laughs> and, and that's what this is. You make campaign speeches up there in front of the VCs as an Absolutely. entrepreneur, you'd better perform, right? Yeah. But uh, even more than that, I think, uh, I, I know you kind of mentioned it. I just want to make sure the audience really gets it, right? What happens post-funding not only informs when you will fund again, but whether you're going to get funded again. That That is a very true statement. Um, I mean, listen, um, if you are an early stage, in, in my world, if you're an early stage software company that is venture backed, uh, we will be the first of um, several uh, investors, several VCs that um, put money into your company and hopefully uh, as your metrics, as your metrics begin to, and milestones begin to succeed, the valuation of your company continues to go up. The size of your company continues to grow. The revenue continues to scale. And at some point, whether it is that you continue to raise money to a point where you may go public or there's an M&A event, again, whatever that end goal is, is going to be very much driven on your ability to meet these milestones along the way. And so, you know, we I, two examples. One is a company that excelled through their milestones during COVID, by the way, based on the business they were in, such that 10 months after the round that I led, we went and got another round. They had lots of money in the bank. We didn't go raise again because they needed money. We raised again because it was a hot market uh, that they were blowing through all their milestones. And we thought now's the time to basically go back out and raise. And it was very successful. You know, it's also very common that you're watching your cash burn at every board meeting. That's one of the key things that gets discussed. And, you know, you're very aware you don't want to run out of money. So you're basically measuring the milestones against the timeline of running out of money. And you begin to try to go raise again based on that timeline. Um, and again, hopefully you've had some successful milestones met that you can continue to tell the story of how your company has grown. But the timing to the raise is based on the cash burn that you are actually going through right now. So that's so helpful and so useful. And sadly, we have run out of time. Um, I am always disappointed when this happens, when we have somebody like uh, you, Diane, to tell us about this. But thank you so much for joining us on BC Confidential. Thank you, ladies. It's been great. Indeed, it has been great. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of the shrouded corner of business finance known as VC. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who graciously hosted our previous CEO Coach Show for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential Show now in its 42nd episode. We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all 
our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.